The Mark Stein Show. And now, here's Mark. Mid-September 2021, in the Dominion of Canada, Justin Trudeau is so confident of victory, he's started wearing blackface again. Oh, mammy! In Italy, all workers in every sphere of economic activity will now be required to have a green pass showing evidence either of vaccination, a recent negative COVID test or recovery from COVID. In the United Kingdom, the National Health Service has admitted that its Vax app shares its facial recognition data with the police. So your vaccine passport info goes straight into a criminal database. Big COVID ward sister is watching you. By the way, if you like clapping for carers, as they say in the UK, all those tireless frontline workers in England... The NHS carried out one million fewer emergency procedures in 2020. They're now the National COVID Service. If you've got anything else, get the ambulance to drive you to a hospital in Belarus or Chad. In the United States, the government has shut down the airspace at the southern border so you can no longer see drone footage of the quarter million illegal aliens walking into America every month without so much as a vaccine pass. In America, the only place you don't need a vaccine passport or even a regular non-vaccine passport is at the southern border. It's vital now that the Delta variant is sputtering to a halt that we fast-track those new variants straight across the Rio Grande. Given that the writ of the federal government no longer runs at the southern border, why doesn't Governor Abbott, uh, the governor of Texas, why doesn't Governor Abbott act in Libya? After Hillary offed Gaddafi, in the absence of a central government, ISIS took over the ports in Afghanistan, in the void left by the collapsing U.S.-backed Kabul government. The Taliban took over the border posts with Tajikistan and Pakistan. I know Americans may be a little embarrassed by these comparisons with uh, Libya and Afghanistan. But that's basically the territory you've entered into through the uh, dissolution of the southern border. The Republican establishment, send money now to sendmoneynow.com. It's never been more important for you to send money now to sendmoneynow.com and support the Republican establishment. The Republican establishment think they'll be rewarded in the midterms for doing bugger all. Uh, We're beyond that. It's time to act, Governor Abbott. They're bringing in the equivalent of another Vermont every two months and principally into your state. Uh, So they're messing with Texas. So what are you going to do about it? But all that pales in significance to the big development of the day from the United States. Exciting news from the impending Durham report. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. I didn't say it right. The Durham Report! The Durham Report! The Durham Report! The Durham Report! The 
Yes, folks, under America's much-vaunted uber-constitutional system of checks and balances and more checks and more balances, whenever persons in Washington, D.C. are getting totally unbalanced and unchecked, someone called a special counsel is appointed. A straight shooter, a Boy Scout, but not one of the homophobic ones, uh, is given unlimited resources and told to take as long as it takes. And out of the badlands of Connecticut came such a straight shooter, John Durham. Back in 1944, I remember Durham walking out the door. Mama told me he would get him for sure, he would get him. Comey, Clapper, Brandon, Struck, and Steel. Now I'm gonna read old Durham soon. I'm gonna read old Durham soon. I'm gonna read old Durham soon. But the waiting's really getting me It's a dark, mysterious plot hiding in plain sight involving the Democrat Party, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the white shoe law firm of Perkins Coy, who can be very coy, Fusion GPS, the FBI, the CIA, and an MI6 guy, all colluding to fabricate collusion between Donald J. Trump and the Kremlin. Oh, wait, this is such a landmark development that busts this case wide open. We need to give it the weight it deserves. Can we have that... Uh Previously on the on the Durham Report Sting? Previously on the Durham Report. The Durham Report. The Durham Report. Yes, previously on the Durham Report, John Durham indicted, uh, what was that guy's name again? Kevin Kleinsmith? Kevin Kleinstein? Kevin Kleintweedle? Well, Kevin Kleintweedle was leaned on by Durham to cop a plea for doctoring an email, which is almost as serious a crime as emailing a doctor. Well, Ina Kleiner, deep stater, the Deputy Assistant Undersecretary of Shenanigans at the FBI was sentenced to uh, four, 400, what's it say here? 400 years in Sing Sing? No, 400 hours of community service. He's uh, running the concession stand at the Trauma Counseling Center for Sexually Abused American Gymnasts, whom FBI agents ignored because they were too busy faking up a kidnapping plot against the governor of Michigan. Uh, following the impressive scalp of Kevin Klein-Tweedle, Durham could have hung it up, retired to Tahiti to paint, like uh, Hunter and W, but instead he pressed on. And now the plot thickens. Durham, Durham, 
Durham, Durham, Durham, Durham Report is coming soon. Late last night, John Durham indicted a second Washington A-lister following the community service he hung around Kevin Tweedlecline's neck. He is now indicted uh, Michael Tweedlesus, Michael Sus Tweedle, Michael Sussman, a household name in the Sussman household and a partner at the Clinton campaign law firm Perkins Coy. Sussman is charged with lying to the FBI, so he could be looking at even more community service than Kevin Tweedlecline. On September 19th, 2016, uh, Michael Tweedlesus met with the FBI and denied that he was there representing a client, when in fact he was there representing a client, and the client he was representing was Hillary Clinton. So this Sus Tweedle guy's lie was the point at which some fake opposition research by the Hillary campaign got transformed into an even more fake official government investigation by some of the most powerful and stinkingly corrupt agencies on earth. A government investigation into that government's political opposition. Uh, or as the New York Times headlined the story, quote, Trump-era special counsel secures indictment of lawyer for firm with Democratic ties. By our chief nothing-to-see-here correspondent. If you're wondering why the tireless John Durham has acted with such swift, decisive urgency, well, the five-year statute of limitations... Uh, for this crime expires on Sunday. So Durham has indicted Sus Tweedle in the nick of time. If you've seen Les Miserables, you'll know that John Durham is Inspector Javert and that Kevin Kleinsmith and Michael Sussman are the 27th and 28th chorus boys uh, from the left in the back row. But now the indictments are piling up thick and fast. I think we need a special musical ident to keep track of all the scalps on John Durham's bedpost. Uh, what, what, what do you got? You're small potato, and I'm small potato. He's small potato, and she's small potato. Potato, 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 potato. Let's call the dumb reporter. That's it? We may have to work on that one. Uh, by the way, over a year ago, the Director of National Intelligence wrote to Lindsey Graham, or Chairman Graham, Chairman Graham, as if he's a real chairman of the uh, Chinese Politburo or whatnot, uh, the Director of National Intelligence wrote to Chairman Graham saying as follows, According to his handwritten notes, former Central Intelligence Agency Director John Brennan subsequently briefed President Obama and other senior national security officials on the intelligence, including the, quote, alleged approval by Hillary Clinton on July the 26th, 2016, of a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisers to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security services, 
unquote. So given that both Obama and Biden were briefed by John Brennan that the whole thing was a crock, right at the start of it all five years ago, you cynics are probably figuring that Michael Tweedlesus is just the designated fall guy in any way. What with the COVID, he can probably do his community service on Zoom. But as John Durham does like to do this high-wire, white-knuckle thrill ride of indicting 10 minutes before the statute of limitations kicks in, you may be wondering what the statute of limitations is for subverting the self-government of the American people and their lawfully elected representatives. Well, I've just looked it up and apparently uh, it's about halfway through President Ilan Omar's second term. Stay tuned. This story is getting bigger and bigger, like Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's testicles. And the second testicle has just dropped. Will there be a third? for another Durham Report Watch update on The Mark Stein Show. By the way, if you're a non-American and you're thinking, uh, this is late 2021, America's just been globally humiliated by the Taliban, its southern border is the express check-in for child sex slavers and fentanyl importers, and yet Republican voters are supposed to be excited by John Durham circling the drain of 2016 in perpetuity? Well... Mark's Mailbox is on the air. Josh Passell, a first weekend founding member of the Mark Stein Club from Massachusetts, some ways to the south of my own great state of New Hampshire. Josh writes, I just read an article at Red State, which claimed that John Durham's progress was real and it was spectacular. Okay. Durham is fighting the battles of 2016 on the eve of 2022. Perkins Coy, Mark Sussman, Mark Elias, Hillary Clinton, her emails. Who doesn't love historical fiction? Even if Durham Ties every loose end from five years ago, so what? Who doesn't already know what happened? Who, besides the MSNBC audience uh, that read the Mueller report aloud to their children and remember Andrew Weissman in their prayers every night, hasn't acknowledged as gospel the existence of the deep state and all its works and pomps? Why is Durham still trying to take Pork Chop Hill when it's Capitol Hill that needs occupying? I've been fairly critical of the mostly peaceful protesters of January the 6th. 
Who but they could make a sympathetic figure out of Nancy Pelosi, but at least they knew where and when to put up a fight. Tactically, they made worse decisions than the military brass in Afghanistan, but their strategy was sound. Congress was meeting to certify a fraudulent election. Let the world see how patriotic Americans come to the aid of their country. However misguided their actions, they were trying in vain to right a wrong only weeks old. The tactics of the last war lead only to wholesale slaughter in the next. The deep state, by which we mean every department, agency, bureaucrat and bureaucracy, which is to say all of them aligned against Trump, lost the election, but they won the transition. See Mark's withering appraisal of the two and a half month interregnum between successive governments. That's very important, by the way. If you didn't have this stupid transition, uh, they wouldn't have been able to do what they did in 2016. So, so at some point, the Constitution fetishists, the Constitution fetishists, you know who I'm talking about, who think this is the most perfect document ever created in the history of man, they actually have to understand that they're losing their country while they're fetishizing, while they're hanging upside down in the Constitution basement, fetishizing the Constitution. There's a post-constitutional order that has stolen your country away from you. So what do you got to say about that? Or are you just going to hang upside down in the constitutional bondage dungeon for the next 10 years? Uh, what was I saying? What was Josh saying? Oh, Josh says, having crippled his first term, they moved on to denying him a second. That's right. 2016 was so 2016. No more Russian collusion. Bring on SEIU collusion. Though wounded, Trump survived 2016. They wouldn't make that mistake again and didn't. John Durham reminds me of Civil War reenactors who meet on weekends to play out the events of Shiloh or Chickamauga from the remove of 150 years. Arcane history is revealed in the details of the long ago battles, but no one gets hurt. But bad people People deserve to be hurt for their treason and betrayals. Betrayals of 2016, of 2020, of 2021. I guess we'll have to wait for the 2050 report of John Durham IV to see how the treason went down. On the other hand, Diane Calabresi, a Maryland member of the Stein Club, says... Uh, quoting Josh, even if Durham prove, ties every loose end from five years ago, so what? So what sums up just about everything these days. But just for the sake of discussion, the deep state is aligned against every person who does not comply, submit, check brain in a box. You, I think she means uh, Josh here because uh, it's, it doesn't match anything I've done. So I think the you refers to Josh. Josh has been consistently critical of the 6th of January group, a cohort of sincere people who got caught up in a crowd control mess. The fact that we have people from 6th January still sitting in a DC jail and members of Congress ignoring the political prisoners tells me there is absolutely no hope. So what indeed? Well, uh, just for the, the record, Diane, I think this is about 90 minutes after it, the whole thing ended. Uh, I went on Tucker and uh, dissented from uh, the uh, so-called conservatives all over the telly, all over the cable news, who'd been head faked into deploring oh, uh, the citadel of democracy. Um, and as uh, the Washington Times uh, quoted me as saying, I regard uh, Congress, it's a Potemkin legislature, it's a Potemkin parliament, there's no 
there's nothing recognizable as either uh, parliamentary debate or legislation going on in there. And as the Washington Times quoted me as saying, it's a citadel of crap. So I didn't get head faked into deploring uh, all the, the assault on the citadel of democracy. Um, but what I take away, Josh, is, uh, Josh has identified the central divide in political activity in the United States. The left are winning the future and the right is the rearview mirror party investigating uh, in, in investigating how the Democrats tried to subvert the 2016 election, even as the Democrats have moved on to stealing the 2024 election. So we've got one party flooring it into the future, and the other is the rearview mirror party. And as Diane says, we now have political prisoners in America. And again, this is the difference. And this is why, again, you're waving your constitution isn't going to cut it, because it's a post constitutional order. Whatever regime uh, that we are living under in this country right now, it is not the Constitution of the United States. And yes, yes, I know, and I don't want anyone saying, oh, but just a minute, uh, did you see the Supreme Court? Yes, every once in a while, if you can get something, and actually... Uh, I've been a part of a matter that's tried to get something in front of the Supreme Court. They take one in however many things that are laid before them. And so every once in a while, they'll find something to be unconstitutional. And I see that the Constitution. Uh, right now, we live in a post-constitutional order. And again, it's, the, as I said, the right is... The, is doing the rearview mirror stuff. They're still trying to figure out, still trying to get to the bottom of what happened in 2016, even as the Democrats are steamrolling on to steal 2024, because the Democrats are stealing the future while the Republicans are investigating the past. You know, that's why I listened to Lindsey Graham. I got no use for Lindsey Graham, you know, saying he wanted to investigate something. Just why don't you just go to the Bahamas and investigate your tan? It's all a waste of time, a complete waste of time uh, when you've got people living in the here and now, stealing the future, and then the other party is investigating the past. Uh, and and uh, the other essential difference between the left and the right is John Durham takes two, three years to indict some guy you've never heard of uh, and possibly bang him up in community service for a couple of hundred hours. On the one hand, that's what happens on the left. Now that's to the that's for the designated fall guys. You know, nobody ever gets near Hillary. Nobody ever gets near Brennan. Nobody ever gets near Clapper. Nobody ever gets near Comey. They got they got near Steele. They got him into a court only because he happened to get sued in London. Otherwise, in America, he would never be anywhere near a courtroom. I'm getting cranky again, starting to yell. So, uh, 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 whereas on, on the right, as Diane points out, there was the so-called insurrection on January the 6th, and by January 7th, January 8th, January 9th, completely inconsequential people guilty of nothing except possibly a tra trespassing charge, and given that the so-called capital so-called police opened the doors and admitted these people, there's actually no reason for them to know they were trespassing. 
And yet they were arrested on January 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and they have been held, some of them, in solitary confinement ever since. They're not allowed to be released on bail, even though during... Because it's the usual sclerotic crap hole of American pseudo-justice, their cases won't be coming up till next year. So they'll have already spent 18 months in jail, some of them, before they ever get into a courthouse. It's an evil system. Don't wave that constitution at me! Sorry about that, because when there's no equality under the law, uh, it doesn't meet the definition of a constitution. Uh, Because if your basic law doesn't acknowledge uh, equality under the law, there is no constitution. So it says ludicrous. The, The joke the British used to make about the French, you know, the guy going into the library and saying, where can I find uh, the co- a copy of the French Constitution? And uh, the librarian saying, oh, it's filed under periodicals. Because if you don't like the French Constitution, there'll be another one along in a minute. You know, they're the ones with all the second empires and third republics and all the rest of it. Uh, and so it's a bit like me. I happen. I had the conversation in France, rather interesting conversation, uh, on a terrace overlooking a beautiful uh, expanse of Provencal countryside and I had an interesting conversation I forget when this was last year the previous year who knows what with the COVID uh, about the fact that everything that works in France dates from the Second Empire and I happen to agree with that I happen to believe everything that works in France dates from the Second Empire it got nothing to do with the Third, Fourth, Fifth Republics um, but there's no point. I'd, people would think I was a nitwit if I started banging on about the constitution of the Second Empire all the time. Uh, it's completely irrelevant uh, because they've moved on and they don't operate under that cons- constitution. And that's exactly what has happened here. We're in a post-constitutional order. And so somebody at some point, you've either got to figure out a way to get back to the Second Empire, as it were, or you've got to figure out a way to get to a new constitutional order. But right now, under this constitutional order, there are political prisoners who are law-abiding persons with no criminal records who've been languishing in jail for so-called trespassing uh, for the best part of a year. Meanwhile, meanwhile... On the other side, we congratulate ourselves because after three years of investigation, some guy uh, you've never heard of is going to be ordered to do community service. Pathetic. And let us not forget, uh, for the constitutional fetishists out there, that the National Archives of the United States, which is to say the relevant body of the federal government of the United States, feels obliged to put a trigger warning on the Constitution because it is such a potentially sensitive and offensive document. That's how constitutional this republic is in the year 2021. Keep up to date with the past on the 100 Years Ago Show with Mark Stein. A new ocean-going record, a mountain conquered, and a dead girl at a glamorous party. It's September 1921. A hundred years from today. 
world news update. The messy aftermath of the Great War continues. The League of Nations Supreme Council has appointed an international commission of representatives from Belgium, Brazil, China and Spain to determine the disputed Silesian boundary between Germany and Poland. The League has five new members, Albania, Austria, Bulgaria, Finland and Luxembourg. has ratified a treaty of non-interference with the Soviet Union. Nobody wants the Afghans interfering with the Bolsheviks. We'll see how that holds up. In northern Persia, Russian troops have now withdrawn from the short-lived Soviet Republic of Gilan. Mirza Kuchak Khan and his German advisor have fled into the surrounding mountains. The cabinet of His Britannic Majesty's government has convened outside England for the first time, holding an emergency meeting at the townhouse of Inverness in Scotland to discuss the Irish situation. Prime Minister Lloyd George was on holiday in nearby Gairlock. The cabinet considered the outright rejection by Eamon de Valera, so-called president of the so-called Irish Republic, of limited self-government for Southern Ireland within the United Kingdom, and Mr de Valera's rather more ambiguous response to an offer of dominion status equivalent to Canada. The Republicans are also demanding freedom from legislation by Westminster, an end to the military presence in Ireland, and reunification with the new province of Northern Ireland. The government has invited Mr de Valera and his colleagues to a meeting in Inverness on the sole condition that whatever form of government government is agreed for Southern Ireland, it will remain within the empire. In the United States, troops have arrived in West Virginia to restore order to Mingo County and other parts of the state where thousands of coal miners are locked in battle with strike breakers. President Warren Harding has said that he will delay an actual proclamation of martial law in order to give the participants a last chance to end the violence themselves. So far, about 400 of 4,000 armed miners have surrendered to the soldiers. Most others in the so-called insurrection, have fled into the West Virginia hills, secreting their weapons for future use. In Chester, Pennsylvania, a group of about 60 men, women and children had gathered on a footbridge on 3rd Street to watch the rescue of a drowning victim in Chester Creek below. The old wooden bridge collapsed and fell into the river. 34 people are now dead. The murky events at the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco, where the famed comedian Fatty Arbuckle was hosting a party, are now a murder investigation. The actress Virginia Rapp, 26, 
is now dead of a ruptured bladder suffered at the party. Mr Arbuckle has been arrested and theatres in California and elsewhere have said they will not show his new comedy picture, Crazy to Marry. In a brand new beauty pageant in Atlantic City, 16-year-old Margaret Gorman has won the title The Most Beautiful Bathing Girl in America. There is some talk of making this an annual competition. U.S. Marine Sergeant Theodore Crawley has set a new world record for marksmanship, shooting 177 consecutive bullseyes with a U.S. Army standard rifle from a distance of 800 yards in a competition at Camp Perry in Ohio. The previous world record was a mere 106 consecutive bullseyes. The Cunard Line's ship, RMS Aquitania, has set a new speed record for crossing the Atlantic, averaging 22.45 knots and making the run from Cherbourg to New York in five days, 16 hours and 57 minutes. Not such a warm welcome to New York for the Greek ocean liner, the King Alexander, After a tip that it was smuggling drugs and liquor, 18 agents of the U.S. narcotics squad boarded the ship and opened fire, wounding five crew members. Uh, They blackjacked 20 more and took 327 prisoners. The agents reportedly seized more than $1 million worth of illegal cargo, but were unable to catch the leader of the narcotics ring, who is said to have escaped with thousands of dollars in cash, plus quantities of opium, heroin, cocaine and hash. New York Harbor Police mistook the federal agents for rum runners and fired on them from the river. And just one hour after the raid, the head of the narcotics squad, Frank J. Fitzpatrick, committed suicide by shooting himself in the heart. The first super dreadnought of the U.S. Navy, the USS Washington, has been launched at Camden, New Jersey. The Washington has an all-electric driven engine and eight 16-inch guns and is said to be capable of a speed of 21 knots, just shy of that Cunard liner. Here's a Japanese sneaking on with a Just an old second-hand man He'll buy your old days from you
Never mind the Japanese sandman, all hail the Japanese snowman in the Swiss Alps, where the Eiger stands 13,000 feet high, the first successful ascent of its brutally steep north face has been made by a team of four climbers, three guides from Switzerland, plus Maki Yuko of Japan, who began his mountaineering life by climbing Mount Fuji at the age of 10. The poet Austin Dobson introduced into English poetry various French forms, such as the triolet, the ballade, and the rondeau. He is dead at 81. Anthony Lucas was born in Croatia but came to America and in 1901 struck the spindle top gusher that gushed not far off a million barrels of oil 150 feet into the air for nine days before it was brought under control. Mr. Lucas's strike started the Texas oil boom and transformed the economy of the Lone Star State. He is dead at 65. Peter Fryer devoted his life to a different kind of gusher. He was a pioneering genitourinary surgeon. Born in Galway, he made his name in the Bengal Medical Service and operated on the Nawab of Rampur, crushing his bladder stone with a lithotrite. The grateful Nawab gave Dr. Fryer 10,000 rupees, which remuneration proved controversial at the time. Later in London, he became a champion of the suprapubic prostatectomy, leading Lord Moynihan to hail him as the P. Freer. Sir Peter is dead at 70. And that's the way of the world, September 1921. A hundred years from today. A hundred years from today. This is Mark Stein inviting you to join me for a song of the week by a one hit wonder whose one hit is kind of wondrous, even though it's full of moon and stars and all the usual flim flam. But Frank Sinatra and Dinah Shaw, Tommy Dorsey and Diana Krall, and hundreds of others like it. And so did the novelist Scott Fitzgerald, although he came very close to wrecking it. It's all coming up on this week's Stein Song of the Week, Sunday afternoon at 5 30. And 5:30 p.m. London time is 12:30 p.m. half past midday North American Eastern,、uh, or 9:30 a.m. Pacific time. So a Sunday brunchy kind of show on this side of the Atlantic. Hope you'll swing by. Mark Stein's last call. Jane Powell was one of the last survivors of the golden age of Hollywood. She outlived her stardom by half a century. But she kept going off Broadway and with the group Pink Martini. I saw her on stage not so long ago and she was still very Jane Powell like. She was born Suzanne Burse and took her name from the girl she played in her first film, Song of the Open Road. Jane Powell is a perfectly fine name for a character, but it's almost too normal for the name of a star. Still, it suited her girl next door image. Uh, which endured through five marriages. I loved her pure, 
unaffected soprano voice. Here she is in Royal Wedding, playing Fred Astaire's sister and uh, Peter Lawford's sweetheart. I talked about this song at length with the composer, Burton Lane, who was very proud of it and couldn't understand why it had lost the Oscar to In the Cool, Cool, Cool of the Evening. I think it suffers from a somewhat obscure lyric. If you're just listening casually, it's hard to figure out whether it's a song of love or a song of lost love. But instrumentalists do love the tune, and on screen, Jane Powell does it great credit. Too late now to forget your smile The way we cling when we've danced a while by Alan J. Lerner, whistling by Peter Lawford. Does Tom know how you feel? Oh, goodness, no. Do you think he'd mind? Well, I imagine if he ever found out, he'd get us a booking someplace in South Africa just to get me away from you. Would you forget about me in South Africa? But how could I? Close the door and be 
Jane Powell, who died in Wilton, Connecticut, on Thursday at the age of 92. Too late now. Now there's an anthem for our times. Do join Rick McGuinness for more movies and do dial me up for more music on Serenade Radio this weekend. Plus, any more Durham Report updates. It's too late now, but what the hell. Stay safe, stay free. Join us next time for another edition of The Mark Stein Show. The Mark Stein Show is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. All rights reserved.